0: Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic, naturopathic doctor and founder of Amour de Sois Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together... They're out to cause more happiness in the world.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Ellis, and this is my amazing co-host, Donovan. And today we have a special guest, Shane Manier. She is a creative coach, a visual artist, a TEDx keynote speaker trauma-informed care instructor poetry mentor national spoken word poet and founder of the gorilla poets a nonprofit art collective dedicated to empowering others through the arts please welcome sean thank you so much for joining us it sounds like you've been do up to a lot of things <laughs> That's really cool.
2: Yeah. I wear a lot of hats, but it's all good. Um, it's one of those like multi-passionate, you know, Mm -hmm. lives I get to live. So (laughs) that whole refusing to choose. Right.
1: (laughs) Love it. Love it. I, I can relate to that. Excellent. So yeah. Tell us a little about your story and what was your path to becoming a creative coach?
2: So I, I grew up traveling and I grew up in a really weird dynamic. I grew up around the hell's angels and biker gangs and construction workers. My father built glass factories for a company called Southern industrial. And so we just moved from job site to job site. So I lived this kind of very gypsy-esque life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, very little rules, right. Uh, which got me into a lot of uh, rebellious trouble, but also instilled that kind of, uh, Carving my own path, you know, mm-hmm. and and this sense of independence, and uh, a lot of my work centers around this weird sort of like Americana spirit of like frontierism, and you know, um, just that kind of whole vibe, right? Mm-hmm. But because I was experiencing so much, and I was usually the only child present, I it needed to go somewhere, right? I had to. Ex- myself somehow. So as soon as I was able to pick up a pen, I was writing poetry, I was drawing art, I was expressing myself in these forms. And what was really cool was that, you know, my dad and my mom and all the bikers and construction workers were actually really supportive over it. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was like this really weird dynamic of like this, like this gentle energy and then this rough energy, right? Where, you know, there'd be a bar fight, but then I would be like seven and I'd be like, look at the pretty sunset. And the bikers would be like, oh, that is beautiful. You know, and then they go back into the bar. It's like, it was this really <laughs> weird dynamic. Um, but I'm so thankful for it, you know, um, because it made me prolific and it really instilled that multi-passionate, you know, path for me. Mm. When I got older, I just... I just knew that I wanted to be involved in the arts in some way. And it's, it's taken a a while to develop like what I actually want to do and get specific with it. And I didn't even know creative coaching was a thing until I, you know, you know, you're scrolling on social media and then there's like an ad and you're like, did that say creative coach? Yeah. Is that a thing? Is that a, <laughs> Is that a thing? And I looked into it and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for free for years. <laughs> and I'm like, you can charge people for this? Mm. Yes, yes, you can. And mm-hmm. yeah, I started getting my feet wet with it. And I realized, like, wow, I really love this. I really love connecting the dots for people and incorporating their creativity into their business if they haven't already. And also how to cultivate their creativity and turn it into revenue streams. And I've found that a lot of creatives struggle because for me, I think it's more a myth that they've bought into Mm -hmm. that they can't plan and they can't like follow through and follow up. Mm -hmm. And so I help creatives like plan and, you know, do those executive functions where it's like, you know, okay, here's your dream. Now let's solidify it and here are the action steps to get there. Mm -hmm. And, I've found that I get to like geek out on personal development and like time management while also, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the creative world, which to me is like, um, like a marriage of two loves, you know? So,
0: Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting parts of your background and how they've kind of influenced, uh, the path that you've ultimately landed on. I'm curious from the standpoint of, uh, you know, this, this artist or this creative spirit, it almost seems like, generically, it, it might be at odds with kind of coaching, right? So I'd be curious how you kind of approach uh, some of those, those pieces. I personally don't think they're at odds, but I could see how it's like, you know, the stereotype <laughs> of like, I want to be free artists, do whatever I want. Like, how, how do those two things mesh? Mm.
2: No, that's a great question, y'all. Because seriously, you it's again, that that mindset of, oh, you know, if you're a free spirit, then there's like this Stereotype of like you're flake, flaky like artists, you know, mm-hmm. all the things mm-hmm. like you say you're going to be there, but you don't show up. And like for me, because of the rough atmosphere, like these men were getting arrested for like violence, they were getting killed, they were, you know, yeah. I was very aware at a young age that like we ain't going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. And it has, I remember like, we would be out to eat and like, we would get done at the the table and I'd be like, okay, we finished our food. Let's go. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And everybody would just be sitting there talking. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, (laughs) I'm like seven. What have I got to do? Like, you know, (laughs) like where, where do I have to be? But I, but I would remember just like this constant sense of urgency. Mm. And that to me led into time management Mm. and things like that, because I did have so many things that I wanted to do and they were important to me. And I was very aware of, you know, our own, you know, mortality that I knew that I had to get good at scheduling and planning if I wanted to achieve all of them. Mm -hmm. So that is what led me to being like, okay, we need to get it together. Like this is like, life is not a joke. And I think I'm really grateful for that because it taught me like, if you're not careful, like you, and you're not serious and focused, like you can end up years later, not knowing what you've done with the, your life. Cause I saw it happen to some of those men. And mm-hmm. the, the wild thing is last year I was teaching an art program at Rowan helping ministries in Salisbury. And there were, and it's like a homeless shelter. And some of the men that were in my program were like, knew the men who worked for my father. Mm -hmm. And I I remember leaving there and just being like, wow, like, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. That could have easily been me. Mm
1: -hmm. But
2: I just, I was just cultivated with like, yes, you can, you can go out here and do your art and your poetry, because my parents really wanted to instill that, that independence in me. And because of that, I didn't, you know, I ended up being like, okay, I know it's possible. Like, let's get serious. So yeah, it's been... (sighs) It's been a journey, (laughs) y'all.
1: It sounds like it. Definitely. Actually, it was um, kind of coincidental or serendipitous in that um, my meditation this morning, I'm doing the 21 days of um, a meditation challenge with Deepak Chopra. It's the Getting Unstuck one that they newly released that he's doing with Oprah. And today, Oprah was talking about, she actually quoted Elizabeth Gilbert today from her book, Big Magic. I'm going to butcher this, but <laughs> Oprah was saying "Well, Elizabeth wrote um, about creating, like talking about creativity, which is like what the topic is for this podcast today. And what she was saying, it's like it's not necessarily for like the what we see in our mind is like these artists, free spirited hippies, but it's actually um, tapping into yourself and discovering yourself. Uh, I think that's what, what she said. Um, but yeah, what what would you say about like how poetry and art or that creative side of us can help us discover more about ourselves and maybe even help us perform better at work for those mm-hmm. who might not consider themselves that artsy, perhaps?
2: Definitely, and I I love that that whole concept mm-hmm. because I think people do see artists and create creatives, right? We have a term called creatives, but like, I don't know if you've ever watched the documentary, um, the creative brain, I think it's called, but, uh, it actually talks about why humans, mm. uh, all humans are creative because there's two parts in our brain that are spaced further apart. And mm. a lot of animals don't have that they're closer together. And so mm. creativity is actually in that space between those two parts of the brain. Mm. And it's, For our survival. And so it it goes on to talk about how like every human is creative, whether that's in solving, you know, problems or, you know, coming up with solutions, even just day-to-day decisions, choices. Um, And I always tell my students, whenever someone says, oh, I'm not an artist, um, I always say that we're all artists because we're all made of art. And that to me is, is like that. It is like discovering who you are. And I feel like every time you write a poem, you sit down to draw something it is you asking yourself who am I what do I want what do I what am I not going to put up with and Mm -hmm. what's going on in my life right now and I think that the arts in general is like the key the gateway to personal development and healing like because it allows that invitation to like what is going on in my life right now what do I need you know uh, and it helps you solidify who you are and and who you want to become without having the pressure of the conversation as it would be if it was an external, you know, force, right? If someone was like trying to put their agenda onto you or their perception onto you or any of that junk, you know, you can write through it or you can like draw through it and come back to self. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Um, And that's another reason why I think it's so vital for us to have practices in the arts, you know, um, and access to them as well. Yeah.
0: So that kind of draws me back to something you were talking about before, as far as businesses, right. And, And being able to, to get things off the ground and whatnot. I'm curious how you see kind of these pieces of, I guess, more formal arts, I guess is what I'll call them. I don't know, like writing, drawing, these types of things, as opposed to more general uh, creativity, I guess, right? Because most jobs, most things are are going to benefit from having some amount of creativity, and if they don't, robots are going to end up automating that away in no time. So I'm curious how you see kind of this interplay between, um, you know, these more formal arts. I can't think of a better phrasing for this, and and sort of this creativity in the work domain and what the crossover there is.
2: Oh, there's a huge crossover, which is why. Um there's so much potential for creative coaches. So if anybody out there is watching this and you are interested in being a creative coach, like please listen to this next thing that I'm about to say. Businesses sell emotion. They don't mm-hmm. sell products, they sell emotion. That's well, right. how do you convey emotion? Through the arts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I knew that I definitely wanted to be a bit uh, like a creative coach is I was sitting down with a client. I love this story. This is like one of my favorite client stories. I'm sitting down with a client who is a financial coach. Like they help people get, you know, you know, financial freedom. And this guy is talking to me and he's like, you know, I really like spoken word. I really like poetry and I just haven't done it in so long. And I'm thinking about tapping back into, you know, the scene or whatever. And, you know, and I ask him, I'm like, have you incorporated spoken word at all into your business? And he's like, no. And I'm like, if you open up one of your seminars with a spoken word piece about being debt-free, you've got everybody in that, that building. Like they're, they are gonna wanna buy from you. They are gonna wanna work with you because you're gonna make them feel something and you're gonna make it vulnerable and transparent and personable. Like you're gonna be like the Tony Robinson of the financial world, okay? Like, like why are you not opening up your seminars with a spoken word piece about financial freedom and his whole face just like lit up. And he was like, oh, I've never thought of that. And mm-hmm. like, that is how those two can, can intersect. Right. Like, and I think, especially with everything that's happened this year and everything that's happened last year, businesses are very aware of how they're being portrayed to the people as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. We've got people who will call you out, If you are not, you know, doing what you should be doing for, you know, social, you know, standard. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and as we should, as we should, but one way to do that is through like, when you start to sit down and look at your business and look at what are my values, what are these things, you know, the arts really can help with that. I've gotten onto a lot of nonprofits too, who want diversity on their board. And they just think that they can just go out and get a bunch of diverse people and put them on the board without anything. And it's like, no, like you, that's not going to be a safe environment for the, for people you were bringing in. Like, mm-hmm. how is the culture of your business? You know, mm-hmm. like what, how are you cultivating that? And again, the arts help cultivate a culture within a business because it is human to human relation and you can have tough conversations while doing art that you can't have just person to person in a, in a meeting room, you know? So that's it what I would say.
0: Makes a lot of sense. It almost makes my question embarrassing. Like, Hey, how do we combine these two things? Uh, have you tried doing them together in the same place?
2: People don't think about it though. They don't because we still see the arts as a commodity instead of a necessity. Even artists, Like, I don't know how many, especially last year, like, there was a lot of people who were in my circle Mm -hmm. who were getting upset that I was charging people. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, art supplies cost money, right? (laughs) All right. But like, there is this whole like, oh, I can't invest in myself. I can't invest. But like, Mm -hmm. we're not seeing that when you, when you invest in yourself as an artist you are also investing in the community that you serve Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like so even artists have like a little seed of oh no this is this is a commodity Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah yeah i like the the reframing and that you know as a business owner and as someone who i consider myself artistic and creative but i feel like like your, your client, I don't tap into it, or it just feels like it's been brushed to the wayside because there's other more important priorities in life, in my, my hectic, busy life. And, and yeah, actually I'm working on, um, creating a new webinar workshop and, um, I realize that's absolutely the truth is that I am accessing my creativity with um, creating a story. You have to create story and you have to touch on emotions. You have to share your story effectively and, and really like reach people. And I didn't even, I don't know why I never made that association. Like, I don't feel like I'm putting out art when I'm just like, I'm like doing business. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. But I think maybe if I reframed it, as, like, oh, I actually that might make the process a little more enjoyable because when I think of art or creativity, it's like fun and versus like work. <laughs> so I think that k- could definitely benefit and maybe even um, produce something a little more um, attractive to people because if it's something that came out of joy versus something that was like work, then it might make a difference.
2: <laughs> no, totally. And I've started to do that with all of, um like all of my book launches as well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I've started figuring out the things that I enjoy doing in the process mm-hmm. yeah. and trying to incorporate those in. So now I have a photo shoot for every book release now, just because it's fun. Ooh,
1: that is because it's fun. And
2: it gives me material to use for the promotions, you know, so sure. like trying to figure mm-hmm. out how can I make this creative play when mm-hmm. it's something that I'm resistant to or mm-hmm. uh, something that, you know, I'm not looking forward to doing. So mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. Great. What, what ways do you, like when someone starts to work with a creative coach, like where do you start typically? Like what's that starting or what's your typical client? I know there might be a broad spectrum, but what do you typically see or what's a common thing that you see and where do you usually begin with them? I'd be curious. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh no, that's fine. Um, Especially since it's kind of like a, Well, I don't know. It seems like it's a new industry, but Mm -hmm. um, at least, you know, I was not aware that it was a thing. Yeah, I wasn't either. Right. (laughs) Uh, So there's usually two types of um, pain points that people approach me on. One -hmm. is they have uh, a goal, but they Mm -hmm. don't know how to meet it. They don't know how to get there, right? Mm -hmm. So that, like, let's say uh, a lot of my clients, they want to produce a book, a personal development book. Um, okay. And then they want to launch a course from that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I've done that for people as well. So uh, one client I had, she was like, I don't even know really what the book's going to be about. And I was like, give me all your journals. And literally she gave me like seven journals and I went through her journals and I was like, Oh, this piece connects to this and this and this. Okay. And so I like, you know, put little post-it notes throughout all the journals, all her material. And I was like, this is your book. So voice to text these in a, in a doc, and then I will format it into a book. And so we did that. And then from that, she's going to launch a course from that book. So that's, yeah. So that, that could be a client will be like, I know I need to do this to get to the next level that I want to do with my art form or with my philosophy. And so I kind of connect the dots for them and then lay out the action steps all the way up until like the book launch and then the course, like putting together that. Um, and then there's the other type of client where they don't know what they want to do. They just want to <laughs> do something. <laughs> like, okay. They just, they just want to do something. I literally no. <laughs> this morning, got an email from a lady mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, I cannot wait to work with this woman. She literally in her subject matter was like, I don't know what the hell I need. I just need something. And I was like, all right, let's figure it out, you know? So it's, it's guidance to like that self-discovery, like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got this feeling of, ah, I, I want to do something. Right. So let's tap into it and, and discover together what that is. Right. Cause it's not, I'm not a guru. I'm here to guide you to yourself. Right and to uncover these things, right, and or connect the dots. So like, when it comes to a a client like that, it would be, okay, what are you drawn to? Now, let's, let's investigate that, and figure out why, right, and cultivate that to figure out, is it poetry? If it is poetry, is it activism? Is it teaching? Is it, uh, you know, curating a show? Is it like, do you see yourself doing a college tour, or do you see yourself You know, in galleries, and you have dancers behind your poems, and it's in a whole experience, right? So it's figuring out what calls and speaks to them, and then showing them the doorways to to make that happen in their life. Because a lot of times people will have a vision, but they don't know like what's your first step to get there. And so I help with the planning of that. I'm like, okay, well, first we need to find venues. You need to find grants if you want a big show like that. So I help the planning
1: stage as well. Mm, Okay. Yeah, that sounds really beneficial for a lot of people. And I didn't even think of like that book idea. I always, when I'm on my bucket list is to write a book at some point, but I like when I think about it, I like dread (laughs) dread the process. So it's never even (laughs) begun. But I did establish that I most likely will, um, actually, I think this was from, it might've been from Elizabeth Gilbert's book, big magic too. Cause I did um, read that book um, where she, I think she was sharing about how Brene Brown would um, speak her books and have like, she would go to a beach house with a couple girlfriends, you know, some wine, and then she would just speak her book and then they would transcribe it, like make it pretty. And I was like, yeah, that's because I don't know, I get like the writer's block when I'm just like staring at this blank open document, and I'm like, I don't know what to write. But you know, you ask me a question, I can talk for ages. So <laughs> I could yes. definitely talk for endless. You tell me the topic, I could talk about it. Um, so Actually, I, that's, I have a how client. It's gonna be
2: <laughs> yeah, I have a client right now. That is our work dynamic. Is mm-hmm. People say, this is what I want to do. And so I come up with a list of questions and I ask her and I just record her and then I transcribe it. Like yes. that's, it's all about finding your in in mm-hmm. order to get it done, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and reframing what that looks like. Because again, you would think, okay, if I'm going to write a book, you have this image of, okay, you know, you're told like you sit down at the computer or you sit down and you you write, you know, <laughs>
1: right.
2: like, it doesn't have to be yeah. that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. As someone who just finished a book, I can tell you right now, I would much rather have gotten drunk and talked to my friends as opposed to what I actually did do. Uh, No, but I think it's, I think it's great. Like, you know, for, for that's one really great example of like, there's one kind of stereotype of a way to do things and the type of book I was writing, I didn't need to go sit down. Like, there's no way I could have spoken what I needed to get in there. But there are other ideas that I've had that I have thought about like, oh, I can make this into a book too. And that would fit perfectly for that. So it's just nice to have extra perspective and to break out of some of these like, okay, this is the way you have to do it. Um, And I I imagine it is incredibly useful to have support in the logistics side of things because Mm -hmm. I know I've had a ton of projects that I'm thinking like, oh, this would be so cool. And this would be so cool. And this would be so cool. And I don't really know how to start. So I'm going to work on something else instead that I actually know how to do. (laughs)
2: and that's how you get like the post-it notes all over the house and like (laughs) and the and the google docs that are like five pages long of ideas right and uh yeah but like that could also be like fun to have as well like I've tried to take the pressure off myself when I do get ideas like that Mm -hmm. and just realizing like that's the other thing is like getting real clear on what it is you want because I've I've come to To know that some of the ideas I get aren't for me, I had this whole like publication company I was gonna produce, and I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) Like this is a great idea, but someone else is gonna do this, not me. But uh, yeah, and the logistics is definitely helpful. I I love uh, being able to lay out and see it like on paper, it feels like I have the sense of control over it, especially if I can break it apart into pieces that helps tremendously, you know, um, especially with things like books, you know, it's like, okay, we don't have to get the whole, you know, the whole beginning, middle and end done like Mm -hmm. today, (laughs) you know, it could just be the first five pages, you know, um, and figuring out what works best for clients has been really fun too, because not everybody's the same you know some people work really well with dates you know i i call them turn in turn up dates cuz i don't like deadline and i don't like due date it's just yeah like if the if pregnancy birth and baby sounds painful let's not call it due date let's call it like turn in turn up right um because i feel like language is important but uh yeah it's like some people really don't work well with dates it's triggering for them they're like no i've worked mm-hmm. in corporate america please don't give me a a a date, you know, (laughs) and other people are like, no, I need a date, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So that's been really fun to figure out, you know, how people operate and work with them instead of trying to get them into a certain standard, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so flipping to the, the other type of, of client that you mentioned, the one that doesn't know even where to begin And maybe someone who might describe themselves as like a non-artsy type of person, Um, you know. What would you say to them as far as like, you know, wanting to like do some sort of visual art and why that's beneficial for them in getting that process started?
2: Um, Definitely, I would tell them to start a Pinterest board (laughs) or start looking at start looking at Uh photos that um, speak to you Mm -hmm. and and then ask yourself why like why Mm -hmm. do they speak to you is it the color palette is it the style and then start trying and Mm -hmm. and just see like what you enjoy and take note of it and what you don't and taking the pressure off sometimes with students what I'll do is I'll do um, speed painting with them where I'm like, you got five minutes and then I'm all, we're switching them, you know? And it's just to let go of this idea of like, it has to be perfect. Mm, like, it, I love like it. it does not. Like, actually perfection is one of the, is one of the supremacy mindset traits is perfection. Like, so know that when you let go of perfection, uh-huh. you're doing better for, you know, America. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like it is Definitely. though. It is. It's, yeah. it's so oppressive. Mm-hmm. It's so oppressive. Like, and I'm not saying, you know, half-ass your work, mm-hmm. but really allow yourself to play. Mm. Like it's not, it's not, you know, life or death here. It's 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 art. Like you can always paint over it. You can always start again. You you know. So I'll I'll suggest that and try to really cultivate the idea of if you're not enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. then you, you need to start all over anyway because it's okay. all about the process and me and a lot of my friends who are artists talk about that as well Is like you don't really you don't really when you think back about your projects you don't really think about the art opening you think about mm-hmm. you in your studio when you were painting it
1: mm-hmm. like those
2: are the happy moments you know the, it was the climb to get to the mountain you know so okay. yeah
0: Mm-hmm. One of the parallels that that really worked for me when it came to thinking about some of some of this art creation stuff is realizing that, you know, even even the highest level professional on whatever, whatever whoever you think the best is, whoever that is, first of all, some huge percent of people are not going to like any of their work. <laughs> and second the of all, yep. you probably don't even like some major percent of their work, right? So, like, you're going to have these hits and misses, no matter what, there is no perfection point to even shoot for. Like you might think like, oh, this one song is basically perfect. But then if you look at the whole rest of the, the, the catalog that this person has, you're not gonna love everything else the same amount. So it really helped me a lot to tap more into like, like you were saying this process side of like, okay, I just generate things. Some things will land for some people, some things won't, some things might not land for most people and that's okay. But like, uh, that helped me a lot. And then this other piece of really, and you talked about it, but like really digging into what am I making this for? Or like, why? What is the point? What was the driving force behind this? Because in some instances, it was for consumption by some other audience. And so I was thinking about like, how do I make it appealing to them? Mm. But there's been a lot of times where it's just, oh, this is enjoyable. And the more tightly I've held on to it's enjoyable it needs to be perfect perfect for who for what like what why am I clinging to this so hard so mm-hmm. I just wanted to filter in a little bit of my experience with that same set of ideas
2: yeah definitely and it it is this whole like um concept too of like allowing it to be out in the world and for it to live on its own you know it's there's a artist in Charlotte North Carolina called uh what's his name Jim 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 love. I think it is, but he says like, after I create it, it is none of my business. What people think about it. I did my duty. I put it out there into the world. It is none of my business. What someone else has to say about it. And I'm like, wow. Like that philosophy really changed the way I see stuff too, because we see the art as the artist a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And that gets all into cancel culture Mm -hmm. and everything else. Like is the art, the artist. And it's Mm -hmm. like, is it though? Like it's out there now. It's like, it's, it's not of, it's of the person, but it isn't the person, you know what I mean? And like detaching it from yourself and allowing it to be out in the world to do whatever it needs to do for someone, you know? Um, But I always say that too. It's like, you can't compare like Michelangelo to Picasso either, you know, like everybody has their own style and everybody has their own voice Mm-hmm. Uh my poetry mama, I call her my poetry mama, De- mm-hmm. Devana Wyatt always said that there's no such thing as a bad poem, just a poem that hasn't found its audience, you know, oh, and right. yeah, and it's all about like you were saying, like by whose standard, you know, because right. Nickelback, somebody somewhere is listening to Nickelback, why, I don't know, but <laughs> somebody out there is like, yeah, this is good, and I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> you know so I mean you can't really compare right. art you know and expression and I would also say that like it, it will change your life like um I I do a lot of sensory work and it's because it teaches gratitude it genuinely will make you grateful to be alive and it makes you feel alive right I struggled with depression and a lot of things when I was younger because <laughs> trauma you know biker gang yeah you know all of that but it's like if you can if you can look at light shape texture shadow all these artistic elements right that you need to be able to cultivate in order to draw or you know develop an artistic practice you will start being like wow you will you will see things even the things that you see every day in a whole new light. And then if you go even deeper, you can start doing memory recall. Like I can touch this, this desk that's in front of me and be like, okay, yeah, it's wood. It's, it's smooth, whatever. And then go about my day. Mm -hmm. But if I really cultivate like sensory practice through the Mm -hmm. arts, I can like touch this table and go, oh wow. Okay. That's my grandmother's hands. Now, all of a sudden I'm in my grandma's kitchen and I can smell her cooking and like Now I've got this whole memory that's going to be a poem about like my grandmother being a tree and this desk that's keeping me up and and all of this, right? Like now I have this whole metaphor and this whole experience from something that I see every day, but I'm not experiencing it to a hundred percent, right? And that I would say is why if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with anything like that. The arts can completely change your life because you're actually, you're able to make those connections and see the beauty that, that is underneath the surface that, that we can't normally see when we're blinded by Mm -hmm. all of these, um, external things, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I love that idea. I kind of see it as a, maybe another form of meditation in a way to do art and that meditation or mindfulness practice is to become present in the moment and you know because when we're depressed or anxious we're often caught up in all our, these thoughts that weigh us down and you know if we can just really be with the present moment the sensations the sensory things that you mentioned that can really just like draw our attention to like Oh, what does uh I feel like my skin is warm right now because it's freaking hot right now. And I just <laughs> noticed, I just actually did this meditation and um the the leader of this a uh, different meditation today. And the leader was just notice having you notice the subtle sounds of the room. And I was like, There's nothing going on in the room. Oh, there's my dog um, slightly snoring, (laughs) just like these subtle things, like his breathing, or like, I just heard the jingle of my, my earring. And I was like, Oh, these like such little things that go unnoticed. But when we just like stay present, we can like experience so much if we pay attention. Mm -hmm.
2: And a lot of people, um, uh, they, if they have experienced trauma, they freak out when, when someone says be present. Because they think that it means that they have to be inside their body, and they sometimes they don't feel safe inside their body. But like I always tell them that, you know, there there are these tools that you get. There's survival patterns, right? Um, basically, I think that was a, a term coined by uh, Masten Kip, his his book "Claim Your Power" or whatever. Um, that that book is incredible. I highly suggest that. Um, that book actually led me to quit my full time job years ago and was like, I said, I'm out. I'm like, last <laughs> done <changed> my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so there's these survival patterns, and what led me to hyper focus and sensory work was trauma. Like when I was younger, I would disassociate and mm. hyper focus, I would like everything else would black out. And I'd just be focused on like this glass on a table with the way the light hit it, you know? And I would be like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. You know, I'd be like staring at this glass and like write this whole poem about this glass on this table. While I'm, you know, my parents are, some, something's going on over here, arguing drunk, you know? And like, and I, I just, that was a practice that I developed. And it's like, you, you can be present without having to be in your body if it doesn't feel safe. Oh, yeah. and then you get to a point where you can then go internal and be in your body. Mm -hmm. And that has been a long practice for me because I, you know, I was well taken care of, Mm -hmm. you know, I was well loved, but there was a lot of like danger in the environment. It's weird, right? Because it's like these two realities existing at the same time. It's like, I'm completely safe, completely not safe at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, as as I've gone older, I've realized like I used to have a problem with being put. So meditation was really hard for me because mm-hmm. I had to be still and I had to be in inside myself, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had this amazing experience meditating. Um, I did this like Kundalini yoga meditation mm-hmm. under like a lunar eclipse thing, and it was intense and. I was not ready for it because I don't meditate like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this really intensive meditation. when I don't really <laughs> practice meditating. <laughs> it was going to be a great experience. Right. Yeah. That mm-hmm. um, yeah, was pretty intense. And, but, at, but, and right. I I'm in it. And I had this amazing experience of like, Running within myself, and it was like this horse that took me into this like desert and like threw me up in the sky, and and I felt endless inside. And I remember having that feeling when I was little, and I was on Route sixty six. And if you've ever been on Route sixty six, like it's just it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and it's just like you literally can like feel the expansion in your body,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
2: how I felt in the meditation. And then I realized, oh wow, like my body is never not in motion. Like I'm never trapped, like that concept of being trapped, mm. like I'm, I'm, I'm never still, my blood is moving. My lungs are moving and inside myself is endless. Like I can go wherever, like, you know, like, so this concept of like being trapped or being still or being mm. he- like held down, yeah. it doesn't even exist. Mm. And that completely changed my life. So, uh-huh. you know, yeah, So. Meditation really does help <laughs> and like you you can get to a point where you feel safe inside your body but mm-hmm. it's it's not something that happens overnight right like and that's why cultivating artistic practices and sensory practice can help help heal trauma. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, on that note, I think a lot of people feel like meditation is one very specific thing and yeah. it's also the only way to get a lot of the benefits but it it really falls under this umbrella of like mindfulness practices, right? And I thought that the memory recall piece that you brought up where you kind of are sitting in some of these memories and thinking about the sensory experience is a really cool exercise that I've not heard about before because it's like mindfulness, but it's not quite present with the current moment. Anyway, I just just was really happy that you shared that because it's something different um, than what I've heard or experienced. And I think it's really useful for people to be exposed to more ideas or more ways to look at mindfulness because a lot of the time it comes packaged inside of meditation when that's not necessarily how things need to be.
2: No, totally. And, and it's the same with like all those sensory techniques too. Um, somebody i run across somebody, uh, Oh, I can't remember where they're from, but they had done an interview with somebody about sensory work. And I watched the interview and I was like, because I was interested, I was like, "Oh, well, maybe they do." What I what I teach, right? Or you know, what I help guide people into, and it was not the same thing at all. <laughs> it was not the same thing at all. And I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe not." Um, but it it's very much this whole reframing of, you know. What, what these terms mean. Like when, when someone says disassociation, they think, oh, that's trauma response. And yes, it can be, but it also can be a skill that you learn in order to cultivate your creativity, you know? And, and it doesn't mean that disassociation, when people think of that, they think, um, you know, they're outside of their body, they, they've blanked out. And yeah. it's like, we, we disassociate all the time. Like if you've ever like zoned out and you've been in what I call the fuzzy place, right and like that you're just in a restaurant somewhere and then someone you realize you're accidentally looking at someone and because they're looking at you like why are you you looking at (laughs) right like we've all done that we've all we've all been in the fuzzy place right the only the only difference is you're being intentional right you're being intentional and you're being like okay I'm gonna look at like this um I don't know what's, what's around me. I'm going to look at this cup of coffee, right? I'm going to look at this cup of coffee until I fall in love with this cup of coffee. And like, I can write a love letter to this cup of coffee and, and talk about the texture, the light, the shadow of it, you know, take an inventory of all the things that I would describe this cup as until I actually feel grateful that the cup is sitting here in my presence, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you can do that, then you can start doing it with yourself. So Mm -hmm. then you can start like building the self love and appreciation for self, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is incredible, because a lot of people, that's where they get stuck at, you know, they get stuck at like, I can appreciate other people, I can appreciate things I have in my life, but it's harder for me to appreciate myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, this has been a really interesting and fun conversation. Definitely realize, you know, I, I feel like I've been missing my creative part of me because I always associating, oh, doing art, like singing or dancing. Um, but I realize it's actually all over my life <laughs> when you really look at it. And that's great. I mean, I still want to do more of the what traditional arts that I keep putting off, but um, I think this is a good, good reminder. Um, that it is like part of us. Um, but yeah, that being said, as we wrap up today, is there anything you'd like to plug Shane before we do?
2: Um, yes, I'm releasing the, my trauma informed care training uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in May. So it'll be virtual. I, tr- I tried it out at the beginning of this year, virtual, and it w- went really well. So I'm going to offer that. I do have a time management course that is up on my website called time mapping because we're also trying to dismantle the patriarchy. So no time management, um, <laughs> Love it. it's a joke, it's a joke, but really it's, it's more about like mapping out like what you wanna do, yeah. you know? Um, so I have that on there. I also just released a book called Road Hunger and it's about wanderlust and uh, having a hunger for something that you cannot name nor tame. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's fun. It comes with like a road trip playlist and a scavenger hunt and all that it's a it's a fun one but yeah um so lots of stuff just hit at me at my website awesome
1: yes and we'll link uh her website and her social media handles below so be sure to follow her and check her out and yes thank you so much for being on our show shane
2: (laughs) thank you this was awesome and follow the podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you yes Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan.
0: We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode?
1: For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at DrAliceFong.com. And you can find me on my social media handles at DrAliceFong.
0: You can find me at HowToHappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at HowToHappy. Catch Catch
2: you next time. time.